Hi, I'm David Crow, and I'm joined by Sarah Ives. We're experienced coaches, having worked in the field of coaching for 20 years. Our podcast is about what, for us, lies beneath coaching conversations. In this episode, we look at how to make changes in our lives, whether that's professional or personal. Why do we bother? Why should we bother making changes? A bit about the theory around making changes and what change looks like in practice for our clients and indeed for us as coaches. Supporting people to make changes in their lives is at the core of what we do as coaches. Uh, And it's something that isn't linear and straightforward, but it's complicated and messy. And it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of courage, as we talked about in the last episode, and commitment in order to make that change. Sarah, what comes to mind when you when we start to think about how do we make changes? What what, what is it apart from David Bowie? <laughs> yeah, if only we had the, uh, the copyright on that. Yeah. Sing along to that. I think I spend a lot of my time, whether that's coaching or facilitating, talking about change, uh, looking what it takes to make a change. And for me, part of it again, going back to that bravery, but it's also about clarity. But thinking through, where am I now? Where would I like to be? The other side of the coin for me is change for someone who's naturally risk averse. So change brings up the kind of the ghost of um, the ghost of changes past. So it, it it provokes fear and slight anxiety when I'm being asked to change from something that I'm very familiar with into something that may be a little bit challenging. So energizing and a little bit of fear that's what comes up for me when we're talking about what does change look like what about you a bit of the same i think it's do we know what the change is do we know what it is um yeah because i think we are invested in keeping things the same as they are or similar to what they are uh so i think it is i guess the the first question for me would be why change you know, is is there a compelling need for change? And there may be. I mean, I can think of um, some coaching situations where people perhaps have, have called out liability behaviour in that client and they've come to look at that. Or um, perhaps a lack of confidence or certainly one of the things that I've seen hugely in the pandemic or post-pandemic is this thing around career change. So there's a there's a lot of people who are really throwing things up in the air and asking some fundamental questions about what they want to do. So what's in it for me, I think, is a question around whether or not people really want to change. And also the sense that the change might not be, it might not give the intended outcome. <laughs> it might be different. Is there a, I think there's a law of unintended consequences. Yes. You know? <laughs> So there is something about you, you put a change in place and it may not be with everything, it may not be exactly what you think it's going to be at the end of it. So there's, it's, so for me, there's something about like thinking about we have this nice idea of linear change when it isn't really. It's why do we want to change and, and do, we, do we understand that it might not turn out the way that we're hoping for? Yeah, I think, I think that's quite interesting. And, and I think when you, 
you start to look around at what changes for different people. You know, you only have to go on to our uh, favourite search engine and you will find, I think there's well over a million uh, citations on what is change, what is change management, how do we change things. So for me, as soon as you get that volume of view about what it is, because we're not all thinking of it in the same way, I think it's helping people to drill down and, and know what that is for them. There's lots of theory around change. Some of it's fantastic and accessible. And I think sometimes for clients, they come in thinking they don't even know that they want to change something. It's just a feeling of I'm a bit stuck. Yeah. yeah. And it's that stuckness, I think, for me, um, certainly in coaching, that we help and managing that. Becoming unstuck and changing simultaneously, I think. When we talked about change and trying to drill down again about what the presenting issue is with clients. So quite often people come into coaching uh, or sessions that we run and they do want to change something. Mm. But there are two core areas that people come at it from with me. One is fear. So if I don't change, I'm going to miss out or become irrelevant. So they're being driven by um, that fear-based, I must change, I must act now, otherwise I will not cease to exist, but I know that something is coming that's worse than yeah. where I am. And then on the flip side of that, and I have fewer clients on this side, there's the ambition to this positive energy. So there's something new and exciting out there. I want to change something because I think there's lots of possibility. And I'm not sure what it is, but I want a slice of it. And that sort of tremendous energy and willingness to change. I think um, both of them have equal value, but quite often clients come at completely different angles from that. And sometimes people have been sent to coaching, almost a bit like yeah. some sort of remedial therapy, because it's perceived that they need to change in some way. So that's often the kind of fear-based side for me, as opposed to that more energetic side where people have sought out coaching as a way of helping springboard themselves towards the change. I don't know if that's your experience of client work and change. Yeah, I think I think that's a really that's really well put actually. This this idea of of it being developmental uh, coaching and being something that people can aspire and have ambition with. I think it's 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 good and and in a sense that's probably in a contemporary basis how coaching is seen much more now, and it's probably a move away from that more of that sense of things going wrong and the yeah. liability behavior or the you know something that people are fearful of so i think it's seen much more in those in those ways when you start digging with people i think you're right you, you do come across a degree of fear and anxiety about how to change or why bother changing and why why can we not keep doing what we've done before so I'm waiting for a bit of theory to come in, David, because I know your deep love of uh, relating back. And I'm wondering about the million hits on Google, uh, where we would go first in thinking about what's out there to help us navigate change. Because I think, I mean, I use a few things that I help. What about you? What helps you navigate and help others through the process of change? The simple one 
I guess that most, well, anybody who's done any coaching training will know about is, is what's called a grow model. And it, even though it's, it's poo pooed a bit these days, I still think there's something interesting about it. So you, you talk through with somebody what it is they want to get, whether reality is, what possible options are out there, including not doing anything and, and what will they do? So that, that's, it's quite simplistic. Mm. My own preferred model is so I, I, I do like the what's called the trans-theoretical model or the stages to change model, which is around, it particularly looks at behavior change and it looks at, it started in the world of addiction. Uh, and, and that's this idea about uh, having a kind of pre-contemplation before pe- somebody knows they need to change, a contemplation phase where they're thinking about making the change, an action phase, typically some what's called recidivism where they'll they'll inevitably kind of fall back into an old pattern before they start to take on that new pattern and for it to grow and become part of the way that they are uh, there's there's lots of stuff out there and if i was getting really existential i'd, I'd, I'd <laughs> ask this question that uh, carl rogers who's a counselor or was a counselor uh, who did a lot of writing about it who said the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I change. And this is a, I, I'm fascinated by this, this idea. I do, I do believe in change as an idea, but I also think that perhaps something about us as people that actually part of the change that we're making is to come full circle and come back to appreciating ourselves as we are. You know, that in itself is, is, is part of what change is. And I can think of some clients that I've worked with where I don't know fundamentally if they've changed their behavior, but what they are is they're much more accepting and more, more self-compassionate about themselves. Do you think that's a little bit around the GROW model um, and you sort of saying it's a bit not out of fashion particularly, but a bit simplistic, it's slightly uh, a derogatory term for it, but I think it, I think a lot of coaching has grown from the grow model, if you excuse the double use of the word grow. And I think that what you're saying is also coaching has moved across slightly into looking at how we change our behaviours. So I think in its initial phase of development, coaching, and I'm not talking about its birth around sporting coaching and and where it comes from, really, It was quite functional, quite transactional, looking in the business world about coaching people through and having that framework. And I think, I don't know what you think, but I I do believe it's grown more and not into a therapeutic side, but it does have therapeutic value hugely. It's not a therapy, it's coaching, but it is therapeutic because people get a lot out of it Mm. and are able to move on to different things. But I also think that this the, the concept of changing our behaviour is a key thing in coaching and that has grown for me. So initially when people uh, came to coaching first off, Grow Model was in there. We were looking at what, you know, what are your goals, the reality, options, the will to change, all of those things. They're quite functional. Yeah. And then I think you get underneath what's stopping that. What's What is your reality? Is it that? behaviours in others or in yourself stopping you from moving forward that you know instead of options what are your obstacles are they inside are they outside of us so I like the grow model too but I think there is 
a whole iceberg of uh, underneath the surface, that big analogy there of things that are unseen that only once you get into coaching and you unwrap it, which the whole the whole look at our podcast was we talked about unwrapping coaching. Yeah, yeah. The bit for me is seeing that people need to unwrap a little bit in themselves in order to change. Um, so move away from that traditional view that this is around career coaching or, um, you know, a specific name for the coaching. For me, it's holistic. It's getting underneath. What do you need to change? Is it just your working environment or is it your approach? Is it your belief that something will happen for you? Is it the way you manage with other people? So I think for me, it's a it's it's difficult to have one methodology. Yeah, I think the grow method's a good place to start, but I also think that Carl Rogers about the paradox: when you accept yourself as you are, then I change. I think that for me kind of signposts into our behaviour, just accepting who we are and and how we behave will bring about a change. Any any others that. As, as we're on the theory bit, that kind of strike you as being uh, good models or, or things to, to reflect yeah. on as coaches, you know, in terms of supporting people to make changes? I think, you know, there's, there's quite a lot around, and we talked about that positive energy and making a change, a positive change, people at crossroads and, and thinking about where they want to go next. And I think the models that come to mind for me, or the theories, one is Kubler-Ross's grief cycle. So I often work with clients who have not worked through the change that they've made. They've jumped into a new role. Um, they may have had something happen in their personal lives and they've moved on without really progressing through what's happened to them as a result of the change. And, and Kubler-Ross wrote a very catchly catchy title on death and dying uh, she's a nurse by background and it's in the 50s and actually it's been hijacked a bit by I think by change management uh, gurus they apply the same principles of how we deal with grief and we go through the grief cycle mm. they've made it sort of analogous with change mm. and grief is change so uh, as we go through the cycle, I use that quite a bit with clients to try and recognise where they are. So you might want to make a change. You might have decided what to change to. You might even be in the process of changing. But understanding what you're leaving behind and where you are is a big part of change for me when, when I'm coaching. And I think some people come and they feel a bit bereft because they um, have made a change or they think they've made a change and it still doesn't feel good. They haven't quite transitioned away from the old world. So I really like that as a, a bit of a deep dive for people to think, if you are going to make the change or you're going to make changes for other people, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go through this period of denial, a bit of anger, particularly if I'm taking helping clients think through a change in their teams or with other people they work through. So I think having that acceptance when we change that, things will happen to us. Um, so I particularly like Kubler-Ross in that, in that kind of approach to it. I mean, it makes me think about what you were saying about it taking time. Yeah. Something about the William Bridges thing, about the, tra yes. you know, the transitions model. And he's got this, uh, he talks about the fertile void. Yes. And that we need to spend some time 
in order for a new beginning to start concentrating and thinking about an ending and knowing that ending might take some time and a lot of people go straight into something completely new without having had that opportunity to say goodbye and to leave yeah. the, the thing behind. I love the um, a, a story that a fellow colleague tells me about using Bridges' analogy of endings and quite often what happens is that we are so focused on the new beginning and where to get to the other side that we haven't finished um, and, and particularly if we're bringing a team with us, that we haven't accessed that. And he told me a story of a friend who had two children. The house, they'd outgrown their house and they were moving to a lovely new place where the kids both had their own big bedrooms, lots of space to run around. And they got in that first night into the new house and each kid was very excited about having their own room. And then when they got up in the morning... Both children were in the same room <laughs> and they really struggled to adjust to this new life. They'd really gone, you know, throwing themselves into this brand new house, new beginnings for us. And actually not having that ending had made the change really difficult. And it took the kids several weeks before they would separate. And they weren't that young. They weren't tiny children. But that they said at that point, you know, I should have. This person did also teach a lot of change management. I should have realised. I said, well, you can't plan your house move around William Bridges and Cooper Ross, but maybe next time. That that bit about letting go is something I think that coaching really adds to helping people with change. I think people do lovely plans. They might have some of a theoretical model in, in place, but a lot of my time is helping people with endings and how they manage those. So I'm a big fan of Bridges. What that brought to mind for me was that, you know, if we hadn't uh, done all the things that we did in our house for the first <laughs> year of living there, we would have done them really differently if we waited a year and, <laughs> and see what it looked like. But yeah. Yeah, this is supposed to be a bit about us um, demonstrating our expertise or, uh, and most people don't take their own medicine when it comes to this. You go back to, you find yourself in the midst of a change <laughs> and then think, if only I thought about the ending before the beginnings. <laughs> There's a bit about practice here, thinking about role modelling. We did just touch on that there. And sometimes being through the changes ourselves that we're supporting clients to make. And I think, you know, there's sometimes a little bit about parallel process going on there. Yeah. I don't know how that sits with you. I think there is. Uh, we should be... I'm not saying by any means we have to be perfect because we're not, going to, we're not going to get anywhere near that state of perfection. But there is something about us having the self-awareness of our own changes to help us to understand what clients are going through. And I can think of lots of changes. The one that I guess that comes to mind for me is stepping into a world of freelancing, uh, which I've probably touched on in, in, in previous episodes. But I think that adapting to that new world where in the first six months a year of working freelance I took everything that came along because I was so anxious about you know a mortgage and two young kids yeah. and and we my wife and I both went freelance at a similar time so there was there was that uh, be, be hungry you know go out and do stuff uh, and I think I still I still get some of that occasionally now. Uh, 
I've been doing it for 22, 23 years. So there are days when I wake up and I think, you know, I, I need to remind myself to be adult because I don't <laughs> feel very adult. So, you know, I think that that's probably for the one of the changes I would say that has been really, yeah, because I think that is backing yourself to to do something yeah. which is which is very new and strange and and, and challenging. Yeah. What would you say about your own change? What, what, what comes to mind? It, it's, it's interesting that um, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about clients who I'm working with and coaching them through. And it just sort of opens up my own well of inadequacy at times that you think I'm coaching somebody through something and would I do that? Yeah. Are these changes that I haven't made? And it is that it, it kind of, and I think that's why all coaches need a coach. So sometimes there are changes that we are helping people with that maybe we haven't been able to manage ourselves. I mean, my mine would be similar to yours around starting a new business, taking that risk, and actually knowing now, it's always with the benefit of hindsight, isn't it? I think I would have paid more attention to those endings side of things. I think I went in into new beginnings and I still had this big pot of working in a corporate environment hanging off the back of me. I don't think I paid enough attention to getting rid of that and not then recreating that in my new environment. So definitely moving into working for myself was a big a big change for me. And I could think of lots of small changes that I've made along the way where I may have done things differently, but that was a major one for me. And again, if I was coaching myself again, it would be look at what what are you leaving behind rather than don't take everything with you, Sarah. I'm, a, I'm an inveterate overpacker. So I took at least two suitcases away from my corporate life when I could have just taken a bit of hand baggage and let go of some things. So I think those are lessons for me and changes around taking my own medicine, looking at what I need to leave behind before I move forward and make those changes. That's a great metaphor. I like that. <laughs> well, my inveterate overpack. Does it count that I we we now when we go when we go overseas? Which uh, you know has not been that often given the pandemic, but I do. I just do hand luggage now, so that's a change. That is that is a change. That you have sorted out your life luggage. That's what you've done. <laughs> and I'm still at the stage where I one suitcase, and then I panic and throw more things in there. So I'm clearly, I've just a bit more work for me to do on myself at that point. <laughs> Thinking about the change that the overall changes that we work with our clients. What are your final thoughts on that? What are your thoughts around one thing you could take away from this? I've had a lot of clients. In fact, I would say there's an argument that pretty much every client that's come to me has come around confident or confidence has been part of, they want to make a change, but it's it's the, the trust and, and the confidence to do that. There's a lot of people I've mentioned already today. There's a lot of people at the moment who are coming around career change. And one example, I had a client came to me, this is going back quite a few years, who gained a big promotion as a, a manager of a team in a new organisation that she was coming into, didn't know the context and the background of that team, was appointed and found out within the first few days that there was the dreaded internal candidate who hadn't got the role. And 
made life really difficult for her. And I think uh, there was a question for her about whether or not she stayed in that organisation. Uh, and the coaching focused on managing the change and, in a way, bringing the team on side. And that person's done really, really well uh, in that organisation and, and stayed with it. But it's it's sometimes, I think, what happens with people is they, they, they get scared about the and, and think, right, I'll, I'll go and do something easier or I'll cop out of that because I can't stay with it, it's too hard. Any Any things that you've seen in particular? So mine is more of a, not a generic thing, but I think that quite often the coaching session for me feels a bit like either a, this classic safe space, but a laboratory as well. So if people do want to make changes, that they can bring and have that space to think about how that might look. So whilst I'm not going to bring a specific thing in, in terms of, you know, clients uh, or uh, laundry being brought into the session for me, for me, it is around that space to experiment. It's quite safe to bring things in, to talk through, to look at from a different angle, particularly when it involves yourself, your own behaviours, and that bit about endings as well. I think it starts off messy. It's not always clear. But at the end of the sessions, for me, that people have more of an idea about what to change and what to change to, and a tiny bit of how to do that as well. In respect of the sense around change, I mean, I think when we were preparing these, we said that it was a companion piece in a way. It was a it, it sat sits in the mantelpiece next to uh, this whole thing about having courage. Because if you're going to make change, whatever change you're going to make, it's going to require courage. What for you is the, is the overall sense of of making changes? What 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 comes up for you? Yeah, I suppose that signposts people back who this might be their first episode. You need to go and listen to the courage one <laughs> to take this bit. The bit for me that sits alongside, we've got lots on the mantelpiece now, is our ability to take risk alongside. So we need the courage to do it. We need to understand what the risk is and weigh that up and then make the change. So for me, some of it is is around risk. Um, and about having the comfort and the, again, that experimentation. So having thought through what it is that you want to do. So instead of just having those on the mantelpiece, that you've picked them up and had a look at them and thought about what they look like before you then decide to go for it and change something. So I'm sure you've got some final thoughts or a, a, a quote for us, David, on change. It can be slow and incremental, but more often, and I think the faster the world has got, it can be quicker and, and, and more chaotic. I mean, I think it can be something like moving home, starting training in a new sector or a new job. It could be a personal change in terms of separating from a marriage. I think it's about understanding, as you said, it's understanding what that change is. And that's where I think coaching is helpful or talking to a trusted friend is, is another way of, of looking at that. It's trusting oneself and having a good support network around us to stay true to the changes that we're making. It's accepting and understanding that, that it won't necessarily go in the way that we'd originally planned. Then there's the sense of nice, neat changes and project plans and what have you. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I'd come back to this. It's not, it's more of a Greek philosophy perspective than Carl Rogers, but this idea, you know, being kind to yourself when making changes. What progress you ask have I made? I've begun to be a friend to myself. 
um, which is a Hakato, I believe. And knowing that that takes time, and if you go back to what I was saying about the trans-theoretical model, we're often talking months and years for people to to make changes and, and really hold on to those. So coaching's for life, not just for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you did, please subscribe. If you want to learn more or contact us or get in touch at all, all our details on how to do that are in the show notes.